Hey there, welcome to The Shift Spot. Today's leadership and management topic is uncovering the secret strategies for leading with strength. I'm Jesse Fry. I'm a certified business and executive coach and client experience strategist. I have Ken Paskins here with me today. And Ken and I are going to discuss the important secret strategy called delegation. So Ken, thanks so much for being here with me today. Pleasure to be here, Jesse. Looking forward to it. So um, certainly I, I want to talk about this particular topic because I've seen in my own coaching practice, and I know you and I, we have some history that goes back and, and um, you know, working with, uh, you know, visionaries and their organization, delegation is a huge problem that so many business owners have, yep. not just business owners. So even if you're an entrepreneur and you're an executive within an organization, a lot of leaders struggle with this secret strategy, right? And, it, and it's, we're using, I'm using the term secret strategy because it's truly not a secret, right? It's something that's right in front of us. So I want to get in and jump right in. So I've noticed all too often business owners are really feeling this need to own everything. So I know, Ken, I, I'm curious to uh, ask you a little bit uh, from your perspective, how often do you see when you're working with visionaries and working with CEOs of companies, how often do you see these leaders really doing, trying to do everything themselves? Yeah, well, I assume that's not a closed question because I would say a lot and always, um, which I'm sure you see as well. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is really one of the struggles, Jesse. I mean, and that's why we formed this community, and I'm sure you see it, is people start out with this, this job that turns into a business, and then they grow, and they start to feel like an employee where they're doing it all their, their own, and they don't know how to break that cycle. So this is a, a very valuable skill set uh, for any of those levels, as you discussed, and I'm looking forward to you to digging into it. Yeah, you know, I, I see it a lot. And even in situations where there's partners within a business, and I work a lot with law firms, and when there are, are two partners, there's this need for both partners uh, to kind of hold on to things. And I always ask them, why is it that you're holding back from delegating these things? And, and law firm, you know, law firm owners, you know, their billable rate is anywhere from $300 to $700 an hour. And I always say, why are you posting your own social media? Or why are you working on this thing? Those are not $500 an hour items. And I explain to them the value of trusting people instead of constantly bugging them or tweaking things all the time. And, you know, there's a saying that says, do less and accomplish more, do nothing and accomplish everything. Um, so okay. how, the question is, is how do you break free from this curse of I'll do it myself. And that's the biggest challenge of figuring out how do you actually break free from that? Now, there, there's a couple different things to think about is it's not just about breaking free uh, from the delegation, it's having the mindset. This is a mindset shift, right? And you know, Ken, when I asked you that question, you said, you know, uh, it, it was an open-ended question per se, not a closed-ended question, but every single leader that I've ever worked with has some form of really holding on to things. And 
it really comes down to understanding really what the pitfalls are of not delegating. And there's a ton of pitfalls, but I, what I've done is I've broken them really into just four different simple categories, because I think it's important um, to, to just really look at the four big ones. The four big ones are one, failing to build a culture of open and honest communication. When you're not delegating, you're not truly opening yourself up to have open and honest dialogue with your team. The second one is we can't make time to focus on planning and organizing. If you are focused on doing things that, and I'm not, I'm not going to say it this way in a way to downplay the work that your team does, but it's below your pay grade, right? In the military, whenever I was in the military, I was in the Coast Guard early on in, in my life when I was, you know, 19, 20 years old. They would always say, uh, that is below my pay grade, petty officer, right? And they are not going to do it. So even though sometimes there is delegating up and managing up, uh, the reality is, is that when you're a business owner, you have to recognize where your pay grade is and your experience level and the value that you deliver. You're never going to find time to focus on the most important things, the essential things in your business, such as planning and organizing strategically thinking if you're a visionary it's thinking of like what is the next product or service we're going to deliver in our business if you're focused in the day-to-day -day. number three is spreading yourself too thin ken i'm just curious from your perspective um tell me some examples do you have any examples of ceos visionaries that have spread themselves too thin by trying to do everything themselves yeah i mean lots and uh typically when i walk in it's one of the main things i hear uh and uh, i've got a client that i'm working right now i'll keep their name out of it but they're in a, the point of sale market and i heard that from the ceo uh just that i never have time uh you know i'm working 14 hours a day and you know i went through a couple different things but one of those is and jesse you'll probably die but i utilize this tool i'm not a professionally trained coach like you but I asked the guy, I was like, hey, look, this might sound silly. You're going to hate me. But how do you feel about tracking your time for the mm -hmm. next week? And he's like, and, and he's like, oh, man, just more to do. And I said, well, we're not going to make it difficult, right? We're just going to have a spreadsheet and little things. And it's going to say meeting or admin or whatever. And, you know, one is 0.25 or a half hour or 60 minutes. And then let's look at that. And as we looked at that, he's like, all right. And he started to see the benefits of that. As, as he saw that, he's like, let's do two weeks. They have a two-week snapshot. And he did that. And we looked at it. And once we were done with it, we realized that 70% of the work that he was actually doing should be delegated down. <laughs> then it, was, it was just eye-opening. It's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing everybody's job for him. But, yeah. uh, but that's just one recent example. That's a great That's a great it's a great strategy for people to recognize where they're spending their time. And I uh, recently found a great tool. It's an actually an AI based tool uh, that actually tracks your time based on the active windows that you're in. So when you're actively working on a specific window, like if you're writing a, a you know, writing a paper or a blog post, or if you're inside Facebook, it actually tracks how much time you're in social media. But what I recognized is, even I personally, I thought I was extremely efficient, but I still felt 
busy, right? I felt like I was a little overwhelmed and I was spreading myself too thin. And once I started tracking my time and I would go in and it would tell me where I was spending my time, I'm like, holy crap, I am wasting so much opportunity by spending my time on non-essential things, right? So I always give the, uh, I love using analogies because people can sometimes see analogies over seeing just the facts. I always say, if you have a, a you know a, a little square of butter sitting on your on a, on a piece of uh, you know on a on a plate and you have ten pieces of bread, you have to decide how much butter you're going to put across all those bread. Yeah, when you have ten slices of bread that you are going to then consume yourself you're only going to get a little bit of butter on each one of those pieces of bread, which right. means that it's going to be dry, right? So that's no different than the work that we do in our day to day is that we're oftentimes spreading ourselves too thin and we're not giving enough of our expertise and our knowledge into everything that we need to do. So we need to decide what can we delegate? And I love what you did with your client of having them track their time. And, you know, I have a lot of lawyer clients that track their time and it's important because a lot of them are billable, but I also, part of it is you have to know what you're working on so that you know what you can delegate. If you don't know what your calendar looks like and you're not effectively planning your time, ultimately you're not going to know how to really effectively delegate. Number four is you can't fully develop the potential of your team. If you are working on everything, you're not going to be able to come above the clouds to really see what's going on in the business because you are so much focused on doing everything yourself and you're not giving an opportunity to allow your team to fail, right? And you're not giving your opportunity for your your team to learn new skills. And I know, Ken, when, when you and I uh, first met, I, I can't even remember how many years that, ago. Seven years ago, Jesse. I was, was doing... it seven years? Was it seven years ago? Yeah, cool. seven years ago. I've been operating as a fractional COO and you were, uh, I think you were my first client to work with. <laughs> yes. And um, when, when you came to us, um, there was a lot of problems in the organization. And, um, you know, we had very low customer satisfaction. We had team members that were one foot in, one foot out. I would say that most of the team members were one foot in, one foot out. Agreed. And you had, you know, poor leadership, uh, you know, at various levels of the organization. And one of the things that, you know, we were, because we were so focused and, and at the time, the CEO of this organization was, was kind of focused on doing certain things. When you're not able to focus on your team, your team's not going to grow. And when you're not delegating to your team, you're not able to really step into the role. And in the book Traction, he talks about delegating in order to elevate, right? So delegate to elevate. And and I use that term because I, I firmly believe it's one of the best phrases out there for leaders is really knowing what you can delegate so that you can elevate into the level that you want to be. And one thing I learned from you, Ken, is just like how much you delegated to me, right? Because you were a fractional and you were my direct manager then. But I was like, holy crap, this guy delegates everything to me. And But I recognize that in order for you to play that role, the COO role in that organization, you had to delegate those things. But it also allowed me as a leader in the organization to grow. 
and to become a better leader because you kind of forced things uh, on me to say, hey, these are things that I'm going to delegate to you. And it allowed me to raise my level. So not only did it allow you to free up time so you could focus on uh, coaching and mentoring the CEO, but (laughs) what was that? Which needed a lot. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. We won't go into the details on that. But it opt, it allowed you to elevate into more of that coach and right. to and and you allowed you delegated leadership and delegated a lot of things to the other leaders in the organization, which ultimately allowed us to turn that company around. Right? There was yeah. a lot of changes that happened in a year uh, because of your ability to delegate to me. Yeah. And, and to be quite honest, if you don't mind me hitting two points, I mean, first of all, you have to trust somebody to be able to delegate too, right? Yeah. If, if I did not trust you and believe in you and everything, I, I wouldn't have delegated and I wouldn't have lasted and you would have lasted. Uh, and, and number one, and number two, I'm curious, I'm curious, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're a professionally trained certified coach. I have this theory actually of small business owners or CEOs uh, that develop their businesses and grow through the ranks as well. And I've seen this with core of a billion dollar companies as well, 87 years in business, three generations, and everything goes to the CEO. And I believe that it starts at the very beginning where, you know, money is tight, all the decisions hit my desk. And if we're having cheese pizza on Friday, you know, the staff comes to me, do you want cheese or pepperoni? And then it starts and snowballs from there. And then your staff actually loses what I call that thinking gene to problem solve and so and, and come up with solutions and everything. And and it's it's a self-fulfilling process or, or you know prophecy that where you know you may want to delegate and blame them, but you actually have actually created a lot of that mess from the very beginning of the organization. So that's my philosophy. I'm curious on your thoughts on that. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think it does start from the very beginning, even when they're like a solo and they create this idea in their brain that they want to start a business, and then they hire that first person. Right. They hire their let's call it, a you know, just a lot of a lot of my clients are hiring virtual assistants. Right. So they hire a virtual assistant. But then the first thing is they're saying, well, I'm spending X amount of money for this virtual assistant, but I don't have anything to give to them. (laughs) It's like you don't have anything to give to them because you're trying to do everything yourself. Right. 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 And you're not establishing uh, delegation skills by saying, what are the things that you love doing? What are the things you don't love doing? And find the things that you don't love doing and delegate that as long as the skill sets are there to delegate it. Right. And so I think you're correct. It does start from the very beginning and then it's a snowball effect. Right. It, It starts out as a tiny little snowball, which is one person. And then it rolls and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And now you have this team of 25 people and the CEO is still the decision maker. Yeah. Because the CEO never allowed anybody in the organization. But there's also, I think, to your point, Kenan, we'll definitely continue moving forward. But I think this is a really important part of this discussion. You brought up the word trust. One of the biggest mistakes that I see is that as businesses grow, they really struggle with um with growth right and understanding capacity yeah. within their organization so what they do is they put out a job posting and they hire the first person they can hire right yeah. so it's like i put out a job posting i need to hire this person they make an immediate hire and then that person never they were never really able to establish trust because they never trusted them during the hiring process 
They were like, I just need somebody to pick up the slack. And I'm so overwhelmed that I need somebody to do the marketing. So they hired somebody quickly without fully vetting them, without fully putting them through the rigors of hiring good people. It's a body. Yeah, it's a body. They have a person on the bus, as Jim Collins says, is right seat, right people in the right seat on the bus, right? Um, they have a body, but they don't have the right person in the right seat. So you never establish trust. Yeah, agree. So the important part is when you hire a bunch of people quickly and you don't take the time to hire the right people, it's hard to delegate because you don't trust those people. Yeah. So I think what you pointed out was a, a very important part of the whole delegation process. All right, I'm going to continue to move forward here. So the the whole point here is if you're caught up in the day-to-day and you're feeling overwhelmed and you're burning the candle at both ends and you're unsure really of if your current pace is even sustainable, then there's really a simple solution, right? That simple solution is to use your team more. Yeah. And oftentimes, you know, people are afraid to use their team because of trust they're not sure of what their skill sets are within their team. Or the, the big question that I always say to people is, why aren't you delegating? I ask that simple question and they say, I don't have time to delegate. <laughs> yeah, I hear so, that. So Ken, why do you feel that that is one of the big things? It's like, if, 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 I, if I knew, if I, if I had time to delegate, I would delegate more, but I don't have time to delegate. So why do you feel that that is one of the biggest challenges when it comes to leaders in delegation? You know, I mean, that's a, I think it's just their ability to get their head above and, and see the forest, right? So oftentimes, I mean, I see that, man, I see this in spade. This, this, this thing resonates and hits home for me, not just for our community, but just my experience, Jesse, and everything. And um, I, I think it's just their inability to focus on the right things. And there's been many situations where I hear folks say, uh, I don't have time to delegate. And then I personally, uh, what I'll do in that situation, once again, not, not you know, don't have the, the training that you do, but my initial thought is let's break down where you are spending your time, right? Or, or I'm sorry, not where you're spending your time. What are the most important things right now? Well, most important is, um, co- you know, uh, make a comp- complete the purchase of this new business, uh, hire this new CFO and do this. And then every week, staying on point, are we focused on this? Are we focused on this? Are we doing this? Why are we doing these other things? And just try to get them really to pay attention to what the most important things are and, and elevate them a little bit. So that, that's been what I've seen and done. Yeah, I, I think that's spot on. Um, the most important things, I, I use the term the most essential things, right? There's yeah. essentialism and non-essentialism. Exactly, yep. Or priorities and non-priorities, right? There, you can use interchange uh, any of those terms. It usually comes down to when a a business owner, CEO, any executive is struggling with delegation or struggling with time. It comes down to the fact that you're probably working on crap that you don't need to be working on. Yeah, you haven't actually prioritized the things, and you're focused on non-essential things. And those non-essential things are consuming your day, like. I always that you know again working with lawyers a lot the the lawyers are doing consultations right because they don't believe that anybody else can do a consultation right. now nobody else in a law firm can actually provide legal advice but it doesn't mean that you have to sell people by providing legal advice to people you can sell them on the value of your business and I say how long are your consults and they say well our consults are about you know they're an hour 
I said, okay, well, what if you cut them to a half hour? They're like, I don't think I could actually get through in a half hour. I said, try it. So they try it and then they realize they can get through and sell a client within 30 minutes. I said, well, you now have four hours in a day. If you're doing consults all day, you now have four extra hours that you can now delegate things to your team. Yep. And it blows their mind just by saying, okay, what is really that important? Is it important to have a one hour meeting? And there's a couple of books that I've read where just simply cutting your meetings down, your one hour meetings to 45 minutes and your 30 minute meetings to 25 minutes, it adds significant amount of time in your week. So time management is one of them. The second thing is really understanding what your priorities are and only focusing on the most essential things in your business. And that, that means that you need to spend the time to truly know and plan and you're going to you're going to have to take the time to do that. So, but in order to use your team, you're going to have to get out of the weeds. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how to delegate better Ken. So, there's a lot of different strategies, but the first one you have to know what to delegate. Right? That's the first thing. So, can you delegate things to people? I know for a fact because I've been on the end of the delegation. Um, tell me a little bit about how do you know what to delegate? Um, look, I mean, you know, our, our entire company doesn't, doesn't use a system called EOS, but that's been my background and, and my other business for some time. And it's really, uh, it's looking in that system, it's looking at the accountability chart, right? But in, you know, in the discussions you shared earlier, it's what's, what's below my pay grade, right? Mm -hmm. So if I, as a COO, and responsible for the PL and leading and managing, you know, the leadership team and special projects and you know a couple other things and making the scorecard green. Well, then that's my focus. If it's uh, collections or closing a sales deal or something else, you know, that, that that could be fun, but that's not my focus. So it's really just boxing in and realizing where I should be spending my time and where I shouldn't be spending my time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes back to what you said earlier about your client and having him track his time. You, a lot of people don't, they don't even know where they're spending their time. So the first thing you need to do is you need to know what you're doing so that you can delegate. And the fastest way, there's actually a worksheet that I actually use for people that struggle with delegating, that struggle with time management. And I literally have them do the same thing you do is I actually have them track everything that they do during their day. And plan out their day, but look at like what they're actually spending their time on and writing those things down from day to day. And we do that for a week to see where they could actually take off their plate. So like uh, bookkeeping, right? You don't need to be doing bookkeeping. You can hire a bookkeeper to do those kind of things. Um, Social media marketing, right? There's experts out there that can do it. Writing content. Uh, you know, just basic stuff like doing collections. You don't need to be picking up the phone, calling all your all your clients that are past due. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can remove off of your plate, even if you're a solo, right? Once you get like a virtual assistant, even having your virtual assistant check your email every day and triage your email for you. A lot of people are like, I can't imagine anybody being inside of my inbox. It's yeah. like, okay, well, who do you think's checking the email for the biggest CEOs and the biggest companies on the planet? It yeah. is their secretaries or their, their executive assistant, right? They're not doing it. Somebody else is doing it for them. So you have to get past the ego of that to know like, all right, I don't need to do these. The other pain point of knowing what to delegate is 
is again, knowing what, where your pay grade is and being able to stay at your pay grade and delegate the things below you. But you also have to remove your ego of, but I could do that better. And, that, and I hear that all the time. It's like, why haven't you delegated these things to somebody else? Well, I could do it better. And I know that if I delegate anyways, that they're going to come back with questions and I'm going to have to do it anyways. No, you're going to have to do it because you feel like you have to do it, not because you actually have to do it. Yeah. So I think it's important to know what to delegate and then let go of that. Number two is play to your employee's strengths and your goals, right? So you go, you talked about the accountability chart, Ken, and I think that is an important thing of understanding what your team's strengths are. But having that accountability chart also allows your employees to play to their strengths. Yeah. Because if they don't know what they're working on, then ultimately they, they don't really ever play to their strengths. Right. The worst thing there, um, I don't, Ken, are you familiar with the book E-Myth? I'm not, no. Yeah, there, there's a book and it's, it's, it's very similar. The E-Myth uh, methodology and EOS are very similar. And in the book E-Myth, he gives a lot of good examples of, uh, of, of different, you know, business owners that have been caught up in the, the, the challenges of, of entrepreneurship. And he was talking about the baker, right? So there's a, a woman that was a baker at a bakery. And she's like, well, I see how much money the bakery is making. Why don't I just start my own bakery? Yeah. So she leaves her bake the bakery she was the ba head baker at, and she starts her own bakery. And as anybody, she starts the bakery, and she's the one mixing the flour into the bowl and the eggs and the milk and, and making the bread. She's the one putting it into the oven and bringing it out of the oven and packaging it into the packaging and selling it and doing, you know, doing the selling at the counter and doing the actual, uh, you know, working the register and answering the phones and cleaning up at night until she realizes, wow, I am really tired and I hate this. I hated it more than being the baker at the other bakery because at least I could go home at 5 p.m. at night. Yeah. Right. The problem was that she then hired somebody and now she delegated everything to this other person. And then that other person eventually quit and left because they were burnt out and they were feeling the same way that she was. And a lot of the things that the person she was delegating to were not their strengths. Yeah. So the quality of the business the quality of the bread, the quality of the service went down because she just wanted to own the business. She really didn't want to be the baker, right? And um, so really understanding and knowing and playing to your strengths in your business, um, you know, hiring a marketing person to do your finance, right? You might hire a marketing person to be like, well, I hate to own finance. Maybe I could just delegate it to my marketing person. <laughs> That's not the strengths of your marketing person. Yeah. Um, so it's really knowing and playing to those strengths. Number three is defining your desired outcome and timeline. This, I think, Ken, and, and I, I want to kind of explore this a little bit with you. Sure. I see this as being a huge challenge in delegation. So what happens, I'll give, I'll, I'll just kind of role play here. So Ken, I have something I need to delegate to you. Okay. Um, and I want you to take it over for me. So could you do this for me? And you'll say, yes, I will do it for you. Uh, right. First of all. Well, you'll probably delegate it back to me. No, no. I would have questions. I would, and I think it's actually tied to your number three. I would I would want to understand, like, what are you expecting and when do you need it? Because actually I'm internalizing at that point. Do I have the bandwidth to do that? Where do I fit it in? And if I can't, how do I how do I adjust the expectations so I can help you get what you need? Right. And and I'm I'm gonna go to something real quick as we talked about trust earlier. Yep. 
you may trust your employees, but your employees may not trust you, depending on your leadership style. So depending on your employees, they may not trust you, which then they may be reluctant to ask you those questions. Right. You're more of a, a, of a person, your personality is you would ask those questions, but some subordinates within organizations are afraid to ask, well, what does, what does success look like, Jesse? Well, success looks like this. Do you have any examples that I can use as a benchmark so that when I do this, I know what your expectations are? Right. Um, and then when do you want it by, right? Like, oh, well, you know, just in the next couple of weeks. No, can we agree to a timeline so that, you, you know, if, if I don't have it to you within a week, even though you said within the next couple of weeks, that you're not disappointed that I didn't get it to you earlier in that two week window. Right. So I think the problem is, is that your employees, not meaning you, but specifically, if you're listening to this, your employees may be reluctant to ask the questions that Ken just asked. Yeah. So it's important for you to set the desired outcome and give them an understanding of what your expectations are, what success looks like, and then establish a timeline for them and say, you know what? Uh, what does your capacity look like right now? Well, I'm really busy. Uh, I think I could probably fit it in the next couple of weeks. Well, I really need this by Friday. Do you think you would be able to do that? Well, they're like, I don't really know if I can do that. All right. So what can we take off your plate that's not as high of a priority so that this can become a priority for you? Well, everything's a priority. All right. Yeah. Well, let's walk through your thing, the work that you're working on and understand what your priorities look like. And then let's put them in order so that you're delivering what we need for the business. Right. So if you don't do that and you just say, hey, um, can, you, can you just can you go and take care of this blog post for me? Or can you go and do these things for me? Can you go and follow up with, you know, have conversations with the client for us because I don't have time to do these things. If you do that without expectations, then what happens when the employee doesn't meet your expectations, it disappoints you, yeah. right? But they didn't know that you're, you were gonna be frustrated and disappointed because you never set expectations with them from the very beginning. Well, and another common thing also that, you know, and maybe you're going to touch on this, that I see a lot, and CEOs don't understand this, that their staff views this, them as royalty a lot of times, right? And they're the CEO, they're the boss, I can't say no, I can't push back. And, and you know, so it's important for CEOs to help set those expectations, because employees are scared to ask questions and say no, right? right. And, and you know, saying no and clarifying are very powerful tools to have expectations aligned. And a lot of times I find employees will just say yes, and then they, they miss the deadline, miss the goal, the CEO's upset, why did this happen? Why well, had too much stuff on my plate, right? We could have, we could have prevented that from even happening. So. Yeah. And that comes in the number four, clear <laughs> and effective communication. All right. So that, that definitely aligns with that and having very clear and effective communications. And part of, part of this too, Ken, and what I'm hearing as we're having this conversation is delegation is more than just delegate, right? Delegation is uh, effective communication in your organization. It's establishing trust and rapport. It's, a, it's a two-way street too, between yeah. you and the subordinate and the subordinate to you. So. Yeah, and we oftentimes think, People, you know, the subordinate oftentimes think that they're at the bottom of the totem pole so that they have to bear the brunt of everything that you want to throw at them, right? Um, but to your point, them having uh, having a, a good communicate level of communication with you and your staff 
um, and, and allowing them to have an open dialogue to say, well, you know, Ken, I would really love to take on this project for you, but I feel very overwhelmed at this point. Can we sit down and talk through everything that's on my plate to see if something can come off so that we could fit this thing in? And a lot of, uh, I'll just call, you know, immature professionals, people that really haven't worked in the professional world that are taking on those, you know, associate level positions, the specialist positions, the assistant positions, they don't have 20 years of experience all the time. They're going to be reluctant to actually communicate with you. Yeah. So creating a culture of communication, not just clear, but effective communication is really important to really making sure the delegation works in your organization. So number five, providing the resources and level of authority necessary for success, right? So you might say, hey, I want you to go build this thing, but if you don't give them the wood and the hammer to build the thing, they're going to have to go figure out where to get the wood and the hammer from. Yeah. Um, and I'm just using the wood and the hammer as, a, as, a, as an example, but there's a lot of things like, do they have the authority to make decisions? If you tell them that you, you set the expectations with them, you set the deadline and the milestones that you expect for them to actually do the work, then the next part is you have to give them the authority to make decisions, but yep. you have to be clear and, and concise as to what level of authority do they have. So, for example, if you in sales, I know can one of you know one of your part of your background is is leading sales teams. You can say, hey, we have a, a sales goal that we need to do, and I want you to go out and reach out to all our past clients. And I want you to do a campaign to try to drive some low, you know, that's, this is low hanging fruit. It's easier to go after that than it is to go after new people. Jesse, I want you to go off and do this. And I want you to do it by the end of March. And we need to generate a million dollars in revenue. Okay, well, does Jesse have authority to discount if he needs to? Jesse might not know that, right? Does he have the team to be able to actually hit a million dollars? Does he have the resources and the tools to be able to create a campaign? Do you have a marketing campaign or a CRM tool to be able to go out and actually reach out to them? So making sure that your team have the resources and the authority necessary for success is important. Ken, I'm curious, have you seen or do you have any examples of when maybe you or you've seen in your the clients that you've worked with where they've delegated things to their team but their team didn't actually have the authority to actually execute the delegation. Do you have any examples around that area? Uh, yeah, yeah, actually a, a recent example, um, a client um, that um, long story short, multiple owners, multiple companies came together in, in the past year in an M&A event. And so they used to, some owners used to do some things one way, others used to do things another way. And one of the owners is now the chief revenue officer. And he told the VP of operations to go uh, buy a, uh, a new van for the technicians, right? Well, all right. So this guy went out and, you know, he was looking at and did a lot of due diligence on buying a van, but then he ran into a buzzsaw because he didn't get approval from the CFO. It, it wasn't budgeted and he never came to me. <laughs> right? so, mm. so the poor guy was taking direction from this guy that is an owner and, and everything, but is, operates as a head of sales that told him to do something. He spent all this time and effort and everything, and he had no authority to go do it. Mm. So, 
I think that's, you know, one example. I mean, first of all, he wasn't following the chain, but he didn't have authority and he wasted a lot of cycles doing that. So you're seeing the, 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 the leader, one of the C, the CEO or one of the leaders running sales, um, he wasn't following the chain of command or following the process yeah, in correct. place in order to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the guy that he, um, the CRO is different from the CEO, two different owners, um, and I'm the COO, but the, the, the VP of ops didn't have authority to go get that van and do that. So but what, what could have been done differently in that scenario to, to kind of, you know, correct that? Was it a process issue or was it a, uh, in a, it, it sounds like authority is part of the issue, but yeah. what could have prevented that? How could have they have actually changed that outcome? Yeah, I think, first of all, the, the CRO recognizing he's a CRO now and not the CEO and the, the owner uh, solely, right? So, um, and knowing that there's a need because he's got to deliver revenue, uh, he probably should have had the conversation with the, the CFO and the COO, right? Uh, then, you know, would actually task the, the VP of operations, hey, you're, you're authorized to go buy this van, you know, this way, blah, blah, blah. And that did right. not take place. So I think where the challenge comes from in that particular scenario is the CRO was previously the CEO of his company. That's correct. Yeah. He previously had the ability to just make a decision and make it happen and then like figure it out. But right. now it was a much larger organization that there were multiple things that steps that had to go through in order to make that happen. And that VP of operations didn't have the authority to make that happen. That is correct. And then yeah. if he did come back to you in the CFO, there would have been like, okay, but why, why are we doing this? Yeah. And it wasn't. So part of it is just the, the hierarchy change. Um, the CRO was just wanting to get crap done, but the VP of operations didn't have the authority or the resources to be able to do it because it wasn't budgeted. So great example. Um, six, number six, and, and I'm really curious to get your perspective on this one is allow room for failure. Yeah. Um, I see oftentimes what happens is, uh, it, depending on the leader's, um, uh, personality and the leader's ego, um, when they're delegating, they will delegate, but they will have failed to follow some of the previous steps that we talked about, effective communication, setting guidelines, boundaries, budget, making sure their authority and then what happens is, is when somebody fails, the leader gets pissed off that the person failed and didn't do what they asked them to do when they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it. And then they're like, I'm going to fire this person because they're not, they didn't pay attention. Yeah. Give me some, give me some thoughts on this because I see this as one of the biggest problems when it comes to delegation and, and making sure that the people that are being, that are, that you're delegating to can be set for success. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, so one, uh, boy, I'm trying to think of a specific uh, example, but first of all, you have to, let me, let me clarify. You have to allow room for failure because that's how you get personal and professional growth, right? That's how you learn. We learn from our mistakes. Um, the more important an event is, the more in tune you want to be in uh, with that person that you have delegated to, in my opinion, right? One way to prevent failure or uh, help that person, uh, something that I utilize is just check-ins and one-on-ones. So for example, if I'm tasking Jesse, Jesse, I want you to go out and buy this new company. All right. And then that's it. Jesse goes out and he buys his new company and he pays 10x EBITDA when the valuation was 2x EBITDA, right? 
like, holy crap, Jesse, why did you spend so much money? Well, that's what they asked for, right? And I, I did it. Okay, well, you're fired, right? Thanks a lot. Uh, another approach could be delegate to Jesse, right? Have a weekly check-in with Jesse. How's that, how's that going, right? Where are you at in the process? What help do you need? How can I and or the company help you be successful, right? Do you have any questions for me? And just touching in and making sure without micromanaging and, and telling Jesse what to do and everything, sort of just be there and work with him through that process. So when it got to, you know, valuation and everything, that's probably going to come up in a conversation. Hey, they're, they're asking for this. And I think I'm going to give it to him. Hmm, let's, let's talk through that. Let's talk about how valuations are, are, are done, right? So during that process, Jesse's going to have probably some minor setbacks and minor failures, but those are growing experiences where I can help him through that process. But we're, we try to prevent that, that catastrophic event of, I just bought a company for 10X when I should have paid, I forget what I said, 2X or 3X. Right. Yeah. I, I, I am allowing Jesse to run still. Correct. So you've given Jesse the authority, you've given Jesse the resources, but you're not setting him up for failure because he has the expectations, the timelines, the boundaries from within that Jesse can operate. Um, right. and, and I always, I've seen a couple scenarios and, and it oftentimes doesn't even have to be employees, right? It could even be you're delegating work to an outside contractor yep. or delegating work to a marketing agency. And the delegation of that work to internal employees, as well as to external resources, is exactly the same. It is. If you're terrible at managing internal resources, you're going to be terrible at, at delegating work to external resources as well. And, and I had, there, there was a, a, a law firm out of Los Angeles that, uh, you know, they were delegating uh, marketing work to an offshore resource but they didn't set expectations and they didn't actually clearly articulate what they expected. And they didn't say what the expected outcome was supposed to look like. So they just said, Oh yeah, we can do this. And they went off and did it. And then like three days later, right. The CEO was like, why the heck is this not done yet? And they were really frustrated and they were going to fire this agency. And I said, step back from the cliff, right? Let's understand. Did you set expectations? Well, kind of, did you give them clear milestones and deadlines? Well, not really. Did you have a communication protocol with them on how they were supposed to check in with you so that if you needed something on the 1st of, of March, that they didn't give it to you the day before? And that's like the deadline you gave them is the 31st, but you didn't have time to review the thing, right? And so it's really important to set people up for failure, but you need to give them room for failure. Yeah. You know, I have a mantra I use all the time is fail fast, fail small and fail often. Right. And it's, you got to fail fast because if you're failing, taking forever to fail, you're ultimately dragging failure along too long, right? Failing small, it's going back. You didn't buy a company for 10 X EBITDA. It was two X EBITDA. Yeah. Right. Um, or you, instead of spending a million dollars, you spent a thousand dollars on something, Right. If you're going to do a marketing campaign rather than spending, you know, a thousand dollars a month on something, maybe you try small, right? So it's allowing people the room and the understanding and the guidelines and the guardrails to fail and allowing them to fail. Number seven, being patient. Um, it's hard when you're a business owner, and Ken, I know you know this, uh, and, and you've seen it, and probably even your own self. Having patience is really important, um, and. Oftentimes that mindset is, well, I could do it faster if I just did it myself. 
I, I'm going to get it done faster or I'm going to get it done at a better, it's going to be higher quality. It's going to be exactly the way that I want to. So why would I delegate it to somebody else? So Ken, do you have any examples from your own experience of how you've grown uh, in your ability to be patient when it comes to delegation and where maybe sometime early on in your career you delegated and you weren't patient with the person that you delegated to? And this is a tough one. I, I can't think of an exact experience, but I, I can tell you that my level of patience has evolved greatly as I have evolved. And um, look, I, I think most people, uh, high achievers, you know, want immediate results. But um, I began years and years ago to start to recognize that my lack of patience and wanting things immediately doesn't allow others to go through these cycles and everything that we're talking about. And I've got to put my focus on the long game, right? And that long game is developing the staff, elevating the staff so that they can take on more and I can delegate more and, and everything. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, Jesse, I'm not trying to avoid it. I can't think of a specific example, but I think that, um, you know, my my advice to CEOs is instead of taking it all on because you can do it faster, quicker, et cetera, focus on the long game, right? It, it, it might be a short-term win, but that short-term win, you've lost that opportunity to teach somebody, give them a chance to, you know, to fail, to grow, to learn and execute. And and that that is as exponential uh, negative, uh, negative uh, consequences. For the yeah, yeah I, I, I think your point is, you know, when I when I take everything that you said, delegation is more than just you, right? It's more than just you, the person that's delegating the leader. You have to recognize that the benefit of delegation goes long beyond just your own personal gain, right? And the personal gain that we get is we, we have a, you know, a, a less packed day. We're doing things that we're enjoying. We're able to be more strategic for our business. We can be in front of clients and customers more often um, when we're delegating as, as leaders, but it's giving opportunity for your team to grow. It's giving opportunity for the people to, to establish trust with you and for them to start getting wins, right? If they're doing something that turns out to be great and, and you say, hey, I'm gonna delegate this presentation that I'm doing for the board, uh, for, you know, in, in the next couple of weeks, I want to, here's what I want to do. These are the things I want in it, but I want you to go ahead and compile the presentation. And here's the milestones that I want to check in with you on to make sure you're successful. Here's the deadline when we have to have it done. Here's when the speech is, but then they deliver it. And then the, the board's like, man, this is one of the best presentations we've ever seen before. And you yeah. could say, you know what? I delegated, I delegated it to Mary. Mary did such a great job of doing this and, and she's really such a great graphic designer. And that's why we hired her in the marketing department. And now what you just did is you made Mary feel great because yep. you know you delegated it to her, but you also put her up and raised her level within the organization and created more visibility for your team members. So lots of benefits uh, and to having patience with your team. So I'm gonna wrap things up here in a few minutes because I, I know we're, we're getting close to the end of our time. So. Part of this is homework. Um, I want everybody that's listening to this, everybody within the ShiftSpot community to really think about what I'm going to present here is putting delegate, delegation into action. So there's essentially a delegation system. I'm a systems person, right? I help people implement 
you know, client, uh, client success and, and client experience systems. And, and I'm just a systems minded person. So when I think of delegation, I think about what are the steps that we need to put into place when it comes to delegation. So the first step in the delegation system is evaluate. It's the what, right? So it's really understanding what you're doing. So it goes back to the conversation we had very early on in, in this discussion was knowing what you're doing and when you're doing it and how often you're doing those things. If you find yourself doing repeatable tasks over and over and over and over and over again, and they're tasks below your pay grade, that is the what, right? That's something you can start delegating. If you're finding yourself, man, I hate doing, you know, bookkeeping and reconciliation every month. I hate doing, you know, putting out invoices. I hate doing collections. I hate doing the financial aspect of it. It's time for you to really say, okay, is this something that I can delegate this? You're in, and a lot of people say, well, I don't trust P, I don't trust other people to manage my numbers. Well, you're going to have to get over that if you want to be a come, you know, a 10 million, 20 million, $100 million company. You got to get past that. So it's knowing the, and evaluating the what and who can do what, right? You may not have the people in your organization today to delegate to. So you need to really evaluate the what and the who in order to move on to step two. Um, step two is prioritize and outcome. Going back to what you were saying, Ken, that priorities and the essentialism, right? The essential things within our organization, it's knowing what is important, the highest importance. You're going to look at, okay, these are the things that I know need to get done. These are the priorities. I know that I have people that I can delegate to. Let's look and prioritize those things. And then you need to actually establish what is your desired outcome. What is success looks like? So whenever you start delegating that to people, you can actually do that. So if you're watching this, um, you know, this recording, I want you to write down these things. I want you to get basically a sheet of paper out or I want you to get a document out, a Google Doc. Google Docs are great. Um, you could even do a Google Sheet where you open up different tabs, right? You kind of have your first step, second step, third step, fourth step. And you start writing those things down and getting these things on, onto paper and then start prioritizing that. I recommend this to everybody is that every single week that you have a planning time, you have time to plan every single week and every single day you go through your list of priorities and see what you can delegate. Because you may find that from day to day, you can actually find more things to delegate. So step three is going to be handing off the work. So what we've done is we know what we're going to do to who. We know what our priority priorities are. We know what the expected outcome is and what our timeline is. Now we have to then turn the timeline over to the next, you know, to the team. So it's really looking at providing clarity around this. This is your opportunity to have effective communication with your team. It's the opportunity for you to establish check-in protocols like hey, I want to meet with you weekly throughout this project. This project needs to be done by the end of April, but I want to meet weekly to just see where your progress is. You've already set the desired outcome and what the milestones look like. Now, everything you delegate isn't going to be a long tail project. There's going to be short tail projects. There's going to be things that need to be done today. Like, hey, can you call, you know, Jeremy for me and have a discussion about, uh, you know, our marketing bill, right? right. There may be those kind of things uh, that are short-term, but long-term things, you really need to make sure that you establish those check-in protocols and that you're syncing with the what and the when. Uh, the last step is step four. And step four is feedback. 
it is really important for you to not just expect them, meaning the people you're delegating to, to provide you feedback. You need to pull. So there is a push, but there's also this pull. And the pull is really important for you to really set expectations, but understand that what could, what, what could I have done differently? So one of the things that I have to give Ken some kudos here for is Ken was always great at providing feedback. Whenever I would do something where we would work on a project, he always gave me feedback on the process or feedback on how we can improve, how I could personally improve, how the team could improve, but getting feedback in the process. So if, if you're, if you're, let's say, for example, you're delegating uh, a certain project to somebody and that first project that you delegate to them isn't great, right? go back and provide them feedback on how they could have done it better. And, and I talk to my legal clients all the time and they might delegate some work to someone else, like a paralegal, and the paralegal provides them a document and the document has a bunch of gram grammatical errors and punctuation and problems. Well, the micromanager's mindset, the non-essentialist, the non would go through and make all the changes themselves. Whereas I say, when you go through and you actually edit the document, don't edit it. Highlight the things that you found and record it. Like record yourself using Loom or, or some other tool like that and walk through and narrate, hey, we really shouldn't use this kind of language. This kind of punk, we need to use this word instead of this word. That's why I'm highlighting it. So I want you to go back through and make these changes and then provide me the changes once you have done. If you have any questions, let me know. And then you send the documents that's been highlighted and you send your, your recording and let your team get back to you. Now, that's a physical thing, but that's another form of getting, getting, getting feedback. And last, just asking your team for feedback. How could have I delegated better? How could have I provided you more information? Did you feel that you had everything you need to be successful? And that's where you're going to create that effective communication. So what I want you to do is I want you to spend the time to go through your week and actually look at things that you could delegate and go through those five steps Go through that process so that you can start implementing delegation. Don't just create a huge bucket of things and start throwing them off to people. I want you to be methodical in how you actually delegate. And it's going to take some time to do this, but you need to build a habit. And if you're one of those people that you hoard everything and you don't want to actually pass it off to people, you need to get into the pattern first and start small and then add more and add more and add more. And before you know it, you, you'll realize, wow. I've got time to go on vacation and I'm not worried that the company is going to implode. Yeah. So that's all I've got today. I know we've, I didn't honestly think Ken that we would have 54 minutes worth of content, um, <laughs> but obviously we did. So um, Ken, do you have any questions for me on delegation or anything that I covered? I mean, th this is awesome. Just tee, tee it up for the community. What can we expect next week, Jesse? Um, honestly, I haven't looked at the schedule. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Didn't mean to put you on the spot, but yeah. no, excuse me. This was extremely valuable. I learned something myself. I really appreciate your time and uh, I look forward to doing this again. Uh, same time, same place next week. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate having me.